Morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you again today. Uh, I want I, I want to do t- a couple things. I got some housekeeping things I want to do, but then I also want to do something. I promise. I promised you I was going to read you an excerpt from Robert F. Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. So I want to do that. But I also want to uh, mention a couple of housekeeping things. One is on Fridays, I've decided I'm going to start emphasizing or at least making an appeal for your contributions. Uh, Look, everything that we do is under a nonprofit status, uh, and we depend upon the gifts and the generosity of the people who who benefit from, uh, appreciate, uh, enjoy, and, and want to support what we are doing here. Uh, the word that we are getting out. I mean, for example, we just started an advertising campaign in Virginia, in Norfolk, Richmond, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, and the Danville area. We will soon be getting into Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia is much more expensive, and we're going to be headed for Georgia here within the next week or so, uh, dealing with the situation down there and the upcoming elections down there. Um, and uh, we'll probably down there be doing more political work here in Virginia right now, we're doing more nonprofit educational work uh, focused on issues. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I don't think I've sent those out to my list yet. The spots that we're doing, we're doing radio spots on, on gospel and urban radio stations. I don't think I've sent those out yet, but I'll make those available to you so that you can listen to them and know what we're, what we're paying for. But look, we do this all because of the gifts of our listeners and viewers. And so I would want to encourage you, you can contribute to our, our video efforts and the things that we're doing on video by going to bishopewjackson.tv, bishopewjackson.tv. That helps me with this program. Uh, it helps me with our television program for our, our uh, worship services on Sunday morning, what we call Vision Awakening that appears on national religious broadcasters and appears on <clears throat> on. Um, Christian Television Network down in Tampa, Florida, and uh, will be appearing uh, on Andrew Womack, Andrew Womack's television network here shortly, if it's not already. I, forgive me, folks, but we've had some, some personal issues get into, you know, kind of slow things down with regard to some of my staff people who've, you know, had, had death in the family and that kind of thing. So um, it's kind of... You know, it's kind of slowed things down, but this is this is life. This is what we we have to to accommodate and and uh, be a blessing to people in in these very difficult moments. So, but so so there's some things I should be able to speak to, but I I just can't speak to right now because things are kind of up in the air. But 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 it will be coming if it's not already in place. It will be coming here shortly. Um, and so all of this stuff costs money, obviously. And I just want to encourage you. We're on. We're on uh, the radio here locally, uh, and like I said, now we're we're about to start an advertise, uh, advertising campaign. But all the stuff that we're doing in terms of media, um, your contributions to bishopewjackson.tv help us. Now, if you want to help us on the stand side, what we're doing with Stand, which is staying true to America's national destiny and bringing people together across racial and cultural lines to uphold our Judeo-Christian values and principles, our Constitution, limited government, individual liberty, personal responsibility, 
the principles that I really believe made this country great, faith, family, and freedom, uh, then you can go to standamerica.us, standamerica.us. You can contribute there for the work of Stand. And of course, for the church, the call.org, um, the church does uh, help finance our television program for the church. And so if you're particularly interested in that, then you can go to the church website, thecall.org. Uh, but uh, all the other stuff that we do is, is sort of shared where it's appropriate between these various entities. But, but bishopewjackson.tv is directly for all of the video ministry uh, and, and audio ministry that we do as well. So, so you got three choices there. Forgive me for making it complicated, but you got three choices there. You got standamerica.us, you got bishopewjackson.tv, and you've got thecall.org. You can give any, at any of those places, and it will help us in what we're trying to do. Look, God bless you for your prayers and your support. And I want to thank you from all over the country for helping us, for supporting us. Uh, we, because we really do get, get support from all over the nation, and we're very, very grateful for that. We want to grow this. We want to keep it moving forward. Uh, I've got to hire additional staff. That's one of my big challenges right now. I need more staff. I need more help. Uh, I need more resources to be able to hire more people um, to do the work that needs to be done. Because uh, believe it or not, folks, there's more work to be done than there's time to do it. And, and often my, my challenge is trying to get to all the stuff that I need to do uh, in the course of a day or a week. And believe me, it ain't easy. But by the grace of God, I, I just continue to plow through. Um, but your support helps me to get more people on staff to help do the work that needs to be done so that I can do the things that only I can do rather than doing things that someone else actually could do for me. I mean, I want to be speaking and writing and casting a vision for the organization and where we're going. And often I find myself uh, getting forced to be involved in some of the minutiae that takes up hours of my time uh, that I'd really love to be able to delegate to someone else. But you reach the limit of your, of your staff's bandwidth and until you bring on new people, it's difficult to move new things forward. I mean, I've got a lot of initiatives in my head of things that I want to do, but I know that I can't really do them because it's going to require someone else to take the ball and run with it. I can give the vision. I can give the framework. I can give the outline to say, okay, here's where we're going. But if it's left to me to try to do that day to day, it's going to fall by the wayside because I've, I've, I've already reached the limits of my bandwidth. And, and just getting done the things that I already have to do can be a challenge for me. And, I, and believe me, folks, I don't work a couple hours a day and relax. I'm at it all day long from practically sunup to way after sundown. <laughs> so I'm not whining or complaining about it because I love to work. I, I, I enjoy it. But I also don't want to be a bottleneck because I'm, there's so much I have to do and it takes me so long to get to it that things are slowed down needlessly. So I'm looking to hire more people. Uh, so here again, what, whatever you give is going to help us uh, in, in, in every way, whether you give to stand or you give to the church 
or you give to bishopewjackson.tv, it's going to be a big help, big help to us. Um, okay, so I wanted to get that out of the way. So thank you for your support and thank you for your giving. And by the way, you know, we have this, this, this program called Patriot Partners, and that's where you sign up for a recurring monthly donation. And I say that's one of the best things people can do for us because you may not be able to write a $10,000 check or $5,000 check or a $2,500 check or a $1,000 check. But if you can give $25, $30 a month, that really is a tremendous blessing over time. It really is. I mean, because you think, well, that doesn't seem like much, but you know what? Over the course of a, of a year, um, that's, uh, well, forgive, forgive my math challenge, but if, if, even if it's only 25 bucks over the course of a year, that's $300. You know, for the course of 10 years, that's $3,000. I mean, so you might think, oh, well, that's, that's nothing. But you get 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 1,000 people doing that. And you got a real big help there. And I think right now we're up to 270 Patriot partners. My goal is, my first goal is 500, but we're at 270. Right now I'll settle for getting to, 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 to 300 here shortly. But, but by the end of the year, I'd really like to be at 500. Uh, so double the number of Patriot partners that I have right now. So you can sign up as a Patriot partner. If you, if you haven't done that, uh, by all means, do that. And, and give whatever you're comfortable with. Give whatever you, know, you can afford. It's maybe 25, maybe 50. We've got some Patriot partners who give as much as 500 bucks a month. Uh, most of them give $20, $25 a month. We've got some who give $5 a month. And we appreciate every single dime, every single gift, large or small. So I wanted to get that out of the way first. And first. And then the second thing I want to say is today is First Amendment Friday. I want to take your questions, and I'm going to do that before the end of the program today. All you have to do is email me at ewjackson at ewjackson.com. That's ewjackson at ewjackson.com. And before I end the program, I will come to those questions. We've done this now. This is the third week we've done it. The first two weeks we had one question for each program. So we did. We were able to, we implemented it anyway. Let's see if we can go for two or three today, okay? Uh, so I wanted to get that out of the way. EWJackson at EWJackson.com. I'll come to those questions before I end the program. All right. I've been promising you that I would read you a um, excerpt from Robert Kennedy's book. I think this is a powerful book and it's not just a bunch of accusations. It's backed up with documentation, facts, dates, times, places, money. I mean, it, I've said if 10% of this is true, 10% of it is true, Anthony Fauci ought to be in jail and probably Bill Gates too if just 10% of it is true. And it is a vast compilation of really Fauci's 50-year history uh, as a healthcare bureaucrat for the federal government. And now he has gone from starting to now being the highest paid bureaucrat in the federal government. And not only paid by the government, but he also has royalties and investments in pharmaceuticals and in the pharmaceutical industry. And he is part owner 
of patents and all that. I mean, he, he has, believe me, Anthony Fauci has abundantly enriched himself in his time in the government. In fact, they say when he retires, he will retire at maybe the highest retirement uh, of any federal bureaucrat. I, I don't know whether the president will get more retirement or not, gets more retirement or not, but Fauci will have a $350,000 retirement pay, paycheck, $350,000 a year in retirement. I mean, and, and it's, the man ought to be retired to a federal prison, in my view. Again, a 10% of what Robert Kennedy says is true. Now, just before I read an excerpt from that, and then I'm going to come to your questions. I, I think I'm going to get to, well, I don't know whether I'm going to get to First Thessalonians today or not. Um, the Super Bowl is this weekend. I just want to tell everybody just, just to get it out there. I won't be watching. I gave up watching football and basketball when this whole flag thing started. Now, I realize, and by the way, I'm not trying to start a movement. I'm not trying to persuade you to do it. I'm, believe me, I, I, I've never made that an issue. Everybody ought to do No. Uh, all, all I can say is this. I used to love watching football. I used to love it. I used to love watching basketball, although I don't have time to be the kind of avid fan some people are. So for basketball, it would tend to be uh, the playoffs that I'd get interested in, see who's, you know, who the championship teams emerge to be. And so toward the end of the season, I get more interested. And But with football all year round, leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, I was a fan of the Patriots, a big fan of Tom Brady. I used to live in Massachusetts. Um, the tuna, uh, Bill Parcells, got me interested in the Patriots, and I had been following them ever since. They wrenched that out of me. Roger Goodell and that whole cabal wrenched it out of me with, with playing leftist politics and, and succumbing to these, this anti-American hatred of Colin Kaepernick. And Colin Kaepernick hates America. Let there be no mistake about that. So catering to him and catering to that crowd. Oh, it's not, we're not trying to disrespect the flag. Yes, they were trying to disrespect the flag. And they were basically telling the whole world they don't like America. They believe America's a bad country, a racist country, a white supremacist country. And, and, and professional football, instead of saying to these players, look, you can have any opinion you want about anything you want, and you are a free American, and you have freedom of speech, but not here. We are here to play football, and we don't want to offend our fans, many of whom love this country. So you want to do that? Fine. Hold your press conference, set up your events. You got the money to do anything you want to do. But oh, no, no, no. They made the National Football League they made the football field a stage for all this anti-American propaganda. And I just got disgusted by it. And I'm still disgusted by it. And Roger Goodell, the idiot who's in charge of the, the National Football League, being paid $45 million a year for, for, for being, in my view, the stupidest man in America. They could have put the, they could have put, put the kibosh on that immediately. But what they did was they catered to, to some of the loudest voices in the, American, in the National Football League, particularly those, the, the, the more radical black voices 
and, and just went along with it and didn't care that they offended half the American population. It certainly offended me. I don't have that flag behind me just as an ornament. I have it behind me because it represents something extremely important to me. And so I'm not here again. I'm not trying to start a movement. I'm not trying to get everybody to boycott football, but I'm just not interested anymore. They, they, just, they, they wrenched the interest out of me. And I wouldn't say I was on a scale of one to 10. I wouldn't say I was a 10 in terms of football fan, but I was probably a six or seven. I used to enjoy watching football games and, and particularly enjoyed, look forward to the Super Bowl. We used to have Super Bowl parties you know, at my church, you know, where we get together and, you know, we started out with the guys and the women wanted to get involved. So we brought the women in and, and we would show, show it on the screen at the church. I, I, you know, I've said, I don't support people who insult me. I don't support people who spit in my face. And to me, that's what that was like, spitting in my face kneeling when the national anthem is playing and then a bunch of football players going to England and standing up for God save the queen. I mean, what, what kind of mess is that? And then, of course, now they're playing the black, so-called black national anthem. There's no such thing. There's one anthem for our country. It is the Star Spangled Banner. One national anthem. Lift every voice is a hymn. I said, in fact, I'm saying maybe if you told the NFL that it's actually a Christian hymn, maybe they wouldn't want to play it anymore. But it, it is not the black national anthem. Now, if, if, if a group of black folks want to think of it that way and want to play it in private and want to have or, or that at their events or whatever, that's fine. But at an event that all Americans are watching or that many Americans are watching, I won't be watching we don't have two national anthems. We only have one. We don't have two nations. We only have one. We don't have two countries. We only have one. We fought a civil war to make sure that we only have one country, not two. These idiots are playing into that, that far left garbage. It just, it, it disgusts me. And so uh, that's my sentiment. Why would I watch? I mean, it's just not, it's, it's no fun for me. We had uh, um, uh, had family visit us in the last couple months or so, and they wanted to watch football. I didn't have a problem with that, but I didn't watch it. I wasn't interested. I didn't get all upset that they, you got football on my television. You can't. Uh, but that's why I say I'm not trying to start a movement. But you just you just you don't spit in my face and then have me tell you I enjoy it. As far as I'm concerned, kneeling for that, uh, instead of standing up for that flag and kneeling for our national anthem is spitting in my face as an American as, as, and as a Marine Corps veteran who wore that flag proudly and, and committed to, if necessary, fighting and dying in behalf of my country and what it represents. So just so you know where I stand, okay? And I don't have anything against the football players. I don't have anything against anybody personally. I, I mean, I do have a personal antipathy for Roger Goodell because I think he's a fool. He's an idiot. And probably some of these owners, I mean, some of these owners are too, undoubtedly. But a little bit of leadership, and they could have nipped that thing in the bud. But no, oh, no, 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 no. They had to pan a bunch of cowards. 
had to pander. You know, we respect your sentiment. And now we're finding out all the police brutality that was supposed to be killing black people and black people are dying. Yeah, now, now that we have defunded and demoralized and vilified the police, now you really got more black people dying. 2,500 more black people murdered in 2020 than in 2019 after the big George Floyd debacle and the riots and the defund the police and dismantle the police and the police are out to get us, okay? So we have fewer police now. And the NFL contributed, I think, $250 million to that sick cause. And now guess what you've got? You've got an epidemic of black murders. Black people dying in the streets. Young children dying in the streets. I don't hear anything about that. I don't hear any hue and cry about that. I don't hear any, oh, this is terrible. We got to do something. Oh, no, 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 no. But one bad cop does one bad thing and all the police are bad and they're the problem and they're killing black people. Okay, so you got rid of a bunch of police. Retired, resignations, budget cuts, the whole gamut. And what have you got? More black folks dead. It's ridiculous. And the NFL, here again, like, like, just like Black Lives Matter, that blood is on their hands because they supported that mess. And all these corporate entities that gave money to Black Lives Matter, they're sitting on $66 million left of the $90 million that they raised, and they're doing absolutely nothing with it but buying the, ho- the home of a communist leader uh, in Canada. Uh, buying a, the, a, a mansion associated with the Communist Party. It's, yeah, so, uh, no, folks. So, here again, I don't have anything against people. Anybody who wants to watch football, God bless you, you know. You, you, you go ahead. I can't do it. I just, it just, I just can't do it. I'm not interested any longer. Okay, let me read you this excerpt, and then I'm going to have to go right to your questions, okay? Uh, this book is powerful. You ought to read it. You ought to read it. Here again, if 10% of it is true, Anthony Fauci should be in jail. This is about they're using, they use poor and minority people and less developed countries as dumping grounds for their experiments. And I say they, I'm talking about Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates, because those two are partners in crime. But this, it says this, and I'm reading, um, oh, what chapter is this? I, I, I don't know, and I won't, I won't take the time to go back and figure that out for you. But it says, Melinda Gates lamented on CNN on April 10th of 2020 that she was kept up at night worrying about vulnerable populations in Africa. In June 2020, she told Time Magazine that in the United States, black people should get the COVID-19 vaccine first. The idea that blacks should be first in line for the vaccine and official anxieties that many blacks would resist this privilege were persistent themes and pronouncements by the leading health agencies during the pandemic. And of course, we know the vaccination rate among the black population is very low because of suspicion. And, and, and you know what I'm figuring out? They're right to be, they are right to be suspicious, not just over things that happened in the past, but things that Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates are up to. Reading on, it says, as we see in chapter 12, Gates, Fauci, and the intelligence agency and pharmaceutical company partners 
repeatedly war game strategies for overcoming anticipated black resistance in many of the dozen pandemic simulations leading up to COVID-19. Once the pandemic was underway, HHS recruited black. Now, you know, isn't this interesting? They war game strategies for overcoming anticipated black resistance in, in uh, the, many of the dozen simulations leading up to COVID-19. Leading up to it, they were doing this. You know, I've had callers say to me, they were talking about a pandemic before the pandemic hit. Now here again, I'm not a conspiratorial thinker, but it does make you wonder. It says, but if you read this book, what it, one of the things it points out is they've spent the last 50 years, Fauci has, Gates now as, as his partner, looking for pandemics because, of course, those promote the increase in their budgets. They promote big money for pharma that Bill Gates is heavily invested in. And you, when you get a country to declare universal vaccination for everybody, that is a boondoggle. Pfizer is going to make $56 billion just this year alone. And that's only one company. That doesn't include Moderna. Pfizer, $56 billion this year. Okay, reading on. It says, uh, once the pandemic was underway, HHS recruited black preachers, HBCU college deans, civil rights leaders, and sports figures like Hank Aaron to soften jab hesitancy in the black community. They staged press conferences and highly publicized celebrity vaccination confabs and extravagantly financed government advertising campaigns targeting blacks in both the United States and Africa. In December 2020, Dr. Fauci scolded resistance in the black community saying, the time is now to put skepticism aside. Without citing any studies demonstrating the vaccine was safe, he said, the first thing that you might want to say to my African brothers and sisters, my African brothers and sisters, is that the vaccine you're going to be taking was developed by an African-American woman, and that's just a fact. Now, it's true that there is a prominent woman who is involved in the vaccine development of Moderna. She's a leftist. There's no question. Big on, you know, we've got to get equity in science. and we. I mean, she's a big-time leftist. Now works for the Harvard Chan School of Public Health, right, named after a Chinese national, the Harvard Chan School of Public Health. Um, but it goes on to say, and this is the rub, listen to this very closely. When Cicely Tyson, Marvin Hagler, and rapper Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, all died soon after taking COVID vaccines, the medical community and CDC rushed in to assure the African-American community that the deaths were not vaccine-related. Social media and mainstream outlets censored or removed stories that suggested a vaccine association. Gates-funded fact-checker organizations, he's invested a lot in fact-checking organizations, so that whenever they fact-check him, they come out with the results he wants. Debunked any link. The desperation to discredit such talk inspired many respectable media outfits to simply lie. When home run king Hank Aaron died 17 days after receiving a vaccine at a stage press conference at Atlanta's Morehouse College, 
I wrote that his death was among a wave of deaths in older people following vaccination. I never said, Robert Kennedy speaking, I never said the vaccine caused Aaron's death. The New York Times, CNN, ABC, NBC, Inside Edition, and 100 news organizations across the globe rushed to castigate me and rebuff my article as vaccine misinformation, assuring the public that the Fulton County coroner had declared Aaron's death unrelated to the vaccine. When I called the Fulton County coroner, the office informed me that they had never seen Hank Aaron's body and that Aaron's family had buried him without autopsy. After I published this embarrassing fact, not a single news organization posted a retraction. Now that's just a small excerpt, a small taste. And this just happens to be about how Fauci and Gates have manipulated Africans in particular, but poor and black people, any minority people, any, in other words, any people that they feel are less likely to raise objections less likely to have representation or advocacy in their behalf that they can use for their experiments, they grab them. Africa's been a dumping ground for stuff that's been outlawed in America and Europe. Not because they're the, the people there are black, but because they're poor and their governments are in desperate need of money and because they can. It's not that Africa's not the only place they've done it. They've done it in India, they've done it in other places. Wherever they find poverty, wherever they find governmental weakness and governmental greed, they can go in and pretty much do whatever they want to do. Use the population as guinea pigs. I think they've used us, the American people, as guinea pigs for this whole COVID thing, frankly. That's one thing I wanted to share with you. One other thing that I think you will find very, very interesting. Um, here we go. I think this is it. Yes. You know, Bill Gates has actually been experimenting with trying to genetically modify mosquitoes to use mosquitoes in the delivery of certain substances he wants people to have who don't necessarily want to voluntarily submit to it. <laughs> Folks, you, 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 here again, Bishop Jackson, you got to be making this up. Now, let me read you this quote. In 2021, Gates would expand on a project that he was working on to modify mosquitoes by investing $25 million in an effort to genetically modify mosquitoes to stealthily deliver coronavirus vaccine to the vaccine hesitant. I mean, it's nuts, right? It's nuts. But this is the arrogance of money and power. Somebody who just doesn't regard human beings as, as worthy of making their own decisions for their own lives, but sees himself as a kind of demigod and therefore would impose upon people 
his own view of what needs to happen to them, whether they like it or not, whether they want it or not. Now we find out whether they know it or not. I don't know whether Bill Gates has any aspirations to try to put chips in people so that they can be monitored. Of course, you know, the theory probably would be that they'd be monitored for their health and their well-being because he's very heavily invested now in the whole healthcare. I mean, Bill Gates, for all practical purposes, owns the World, World Health Organization. And between he and Fauci, between him and Fauci, and the amount of money that they wield, because remember, Fauci has control of about an $8 billion budget. And much of that, I just looked up where that money goes, and it is a compendium of organizations that over the period of, of Fauci's career have received not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. No wonder when Fauci says, we're not gonna talk about natural immunity, everybody shuts up. No wonder when Fauci says, we're not giving people ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, everybody shuts up or says, well, hydroxychloroquine will kill you and ivermectin will, it's, a ho it's horse medicine. I had Dr. Peter McCullough on my radio program yesterday talking about the fact, he said, it's, it's criminal. There needs to be an investigation of why they've done this. Uh, we know why probably, but of, of exactly how this whole thing was implemented so the people who are implemented, who are responsible for the deaths of others because they didn't get early treatment and they didn't get therapeutic treatment, died, those people ought to be held accountable. Because to me, it's murder. You are withholding treatment that can save lives so that you can make money and have power. But um, he documents that these are real things that Fauci has been doing. And it goes into other things, which I don't have time to get into right now. Uh, but folks, this stuff is diabolical. It really is. It's diabolical. And you know, I always say this, you don't really have to be a conspiratorial thinker to understand that when people share the same motivations and the same values and the same worldview that they end up in the same place. They don't have to go into a room and conspire because they're all marching to the beat of the same drum. And a lot of times I think that's what we're seeing happen in our country where people are just, they're caught up in this this cult-like state where these people are handing down these bizarre uh, edicts and manipulating and indoctrinating and controlling and, 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 and most people just don't realize what's going on. Okay, so we've got, we've got a question. So I'm gonna answer your question and then we're going to be done. Uh, E.W. Jackson, ewjackson.com, if you have any others. Uh, this question is from John in Minnesota. 
would you share with us how the Lord called you into ministry in his church and explain how one has the certainty of that calling? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Well, look, uh, I've talked about my conversion, right? And shortly after my conversion, I began to grapple with this sense that God was calling me to proclaim his word, but I was very resistant because I just felt like, I don't really need, I mean, you know, I was a, a young, immature Christian and, and the thoughts going through my head, I thought were being humble and I was just being stupid. But I was thinking, well, I don't really need that. I don't need to be on the stage in front of people. I don't need to do this, blah, 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 you know, and just basically ignoring God, you know, refusing to, to hear and answer God because I thought I was being, you know, humble and I didn't need that and, you know, and so forth. Um, but, but it didn't go away. It continued to speak to my heart. So I finally went to my pastor, my pastor, the late Reverend Dr. Rafe Taylor, and said, uh, Dr. Taylor, I said, um, you know, I really think God is calling me to preach. And at that time, I was working in the church. I think my son and my was an usher and my wife was doing something and I was singing in the chancel choir, you know, singing tenor in the chancel choir. And my pastor looked at me and said, you think? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, that's not good enough. I said, oh, okay. He said, come back to me when you know. And man, I thought, wow, okay. Um, so I went back and continued to pray and think about it. I have heard the audible voice of God only a couple of times in the 45 years I've been walking with the Lord. But when I was called into the ministry, I heard the audible voice of God. First, I prayed about it, but the conviction only deepened. So I went back to my pastor probably several weeks later and said, Dr. Taylor, I'm sure. I know God is calling me to preach. And he said, has he given you a message? And once again, I went, well, giving me a message. Well, yeah, of course, the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. I mean, that, he said, that's not good enough. He said, come back when you can tell me what the Lord told you to say. So I went back and I thought, man, okay. I mean, my pastor was not, you know, he was not letting me off the hook lightly. He was, he was basically, I'm glad he did it. He was basically deepening my conviction about what I was called to do. And so I, I will never forget it. I don't know the exact date, but I had gone to see a movie, Noah's Ark. Now this remember back in the in the 70s, back in the mid late 70s. This has been back about 1977. I'd gone to see a movie, Noah's Ark, and I'm thinking about, well, you know, what does that mean? What the Lord wants me to say? I mean, the gospel. The, uh, and on my way home, there's a between where we live. We lived in a high-rise apartment building. And the movie theater was in a mall that was a small mall, but, but right across from the building. 
and you had to walk across some railroad tracks. Now there was a little pathway that was made so, so it was legal and, you know, for people to walk across. I mean, I guess it was. There was no, no fence or anything blocking you. I got out across that path and I heard the voice of God. I mean, I heard the voice of God over my head. And I heard God say this, go tell them to build an ark. And I stopped. And did this. But I mean, it, it, I didn't just hear it in my ears. I heard it in my whole being. Go tell them to build an ark. And the first sermon I preached was to build an ark. I talked about Noah building the ark. I still, I never felt like I finished that message. Uh, but I went back to my pastor and he said, I said, I said, pastor, the Lord has given me something to say. He said, what? He said, God told me to go tell them to build an ark, to build an ark. And my first sermon was entitled to build an ark. And of course I was talking about the kingdom of God, building the church, building the kingdom, advancing the things of God and using Noah, as, as sort of my backdrop and what Noah went through, the, you know, the, 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 the resistance and the, 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 the long period of, of seeming to preach without seeing anything happen and, and the long period it took him to, to construct the ark to get ready. And you know, since that time, I guess you could say I've been building an ark, inviting people into the kingdom of God to get ready. You know, this old song says, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, you better get ready, you better get right. God told Noah, by the rainbow sign, no more water, it'll be fire next time. So, Brother John, that's how I got called into the Christian ministry. And then in time, my pastor put me up to preach what we then called a trial sermon. And I preached that sermon, and I've been preaching ever since. It took several years before I was called into uh, a pastorate, but, um, but I would preach when my pastor gave me the opportunity and others heard about me and, and, or, or heard me occasionally. And then they would go tell their friends. And then I got to a point where I was visiting other churches, preaching at other churches a lot. And then my ministry really began to unfold until finally one church said, would you be willing to come be our pastor? So that's how I came to, uh, my calling the certainty Look, as you can now hear, as you heard me say, the certainty didn't come all at once. I can't say when I first went to my pastor and he challenged me, I say, well, I absolutely unequipped. I just kind of said, oh, okay. And then again, well, hmm. But then as I prayed and talked to the Lord about it, that conviction just deepened. It just deepened. And of course, once I, in fact, as I recall, now this was many, many years ago, right? I mean, my goodness gracious, this is, well, it, it was 48, 49 years ago, something like that. I'll, I'll get the math straight. But 
I really believe that uh, my recollection is I went home after I heard God's voice, went home, opened my Bible, and began to prepare that sermon right then and there at th that very night. I didn't wait because I was excited. This is what the Lord wants me to tell them. To build an ark. You better get in. You better get in before it's too late. So that, but, but once I heard that word from the Lord as to what I was to preach, I never looked back. And at that point, through that, that process, I became absolutely certain. I hear people say, I used to be in the ministry. I'll never used to be in the ministry. I'll be in the ministry the rest of my life, one way or the other. I will be a minister for the rest of my life, one way or the other. I mean, whether I'll be pastoring a church or preaching in a church or serving as a bishop for the rest of my life, I, that I don't know. That's up to God. But I know one thing, in one way or the other, I will be a minister for the rest of my life. Because the gifts and the calling of God are without revocation. He's, he's not revoking his calling on my life, and I'm not walking away from it. So I hope that that uh, answers your question. And... Um, Look, God bless each and every one of you. I've enjoyed this week. I hope you have too. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And uh, look, enjoy your weekend. In fact, I think I sort of went into a riff yesterday as if yesterday was Friday, but I can get, you know, I can get a little ahead of myself that way. But these days can kind of run together. But today really is Friday, and I will be at my church uh, on Sunday at, uh, at 11 o'clock for our worship service there. We'll be live streaming at 11.30, so you can, of course, catch us live streaming at any of the websites I've just described to you, by the way, earlier, bishopbwjackson.tv, um, the standamerica.us, thecall.org, but also um, uh, on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Of course, YouTube has kicked me off, so uh, for the time being, I've been suspended again for medical misinformation, uh, but, but look, I'm in good company, so... That's why we have all these other venues. Oh, and don't forget, if you haven't downloaded my app yet, download the app, E.W. Jackson app. Get it at the Apple Store or at the uh, Google Play Store. And that way, everything pretty much that I'm doing is going to flow through that app. It'll give you access to everything that we're doing. So, so God bless each and every one of you. I love you. Pray for me. And stay in the fight. Stand up. Step up. Speak up. And remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.